Yeah, I have cows for next door neighbors. Yeah. Yeah, there was one night. I like to keep my kitchen window open whenever the weather isn't abhorrent. Yeah. There was one night. It was, it's, it's just dark, and I can't really see out the window. And I could hear, like, a crunching sort of sound. And I was like, what the frick is that? It was a cow just eating grass. It was eating my grass, actually. Its head was, like, That's sticking jerk. through the barbed wire fence, <laughs> eating grass on my side of the fence. Yeah. And I was like. Get your own grass. I was like, you know what? I'm going to be generous here. I'm going to let this go. Mm-hmm. And then I was hoping just the next morning that I wasn't going to walk up to the window and see that cow stuck there. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't stuck there. So we're all good. Welcome back to the Respond Worship Podcast. Uh, the Re- Respond Worship Podcast is an auditive extension of the Respond Worship Retreat, which exists to serve worship teams. We aim to inspire worship ministries for greater effectiveness, instruct teams in worship skills, and ignite a community of worship teams. That's us, but as I say us, the uh, podcast room looks a little bit different. It is not me and Jeremiah today, but it is me and Michael Hester. Hello. How are you doing, Michael? Pretty good. Pretty good? Yeah. Let's talk about it. We've got an hour. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is Michael Hester. Uh, Michael, what do you do for a living? So I work full-time at uh, Christ and Youth, which is a nonprofit organization that partners with church youth ministries. Uh, we put on youth events all over the country. Um, I work in their production department. My position actually recently changed. Yeah. Um, in a very good way. Uh, I mean, sort of my day to day is almost identical from what it was yeah. for the last year and a half or so. But my, my title has changed from being basically nothing kind of <laughs> to <laughs> a lowly surf. <laughs> yeah. Uh, to now I am the like audio department lead for live production or something like that. Something along yeah. those lines. I don't know. I don't pay that much attention to titles. Do you find that the title like makes you walk different? No. Like more of a strut? No. Okay. The title just makes it easier to pay rent. <laughs> I'll put it that way. <laughs> That's perfect. Yeah. That's great. So what was your position before and like, what did that entail and how has that grown in this new one? So when I first got hired on, uh, I got hired on as I think the title was like live event coordinator. Yeah. And that was originally supposed to be like a one year limited term contract. Uh, I got hired on in August of 2019. Uh, just in time for the pandemic to come in and really screw things up. Perfect. So, um, so the, even the, the, and what he, what he means by that is like a lot of your stuff is spring events and summer events. Summer events. That's a big chunk of the energy that the organization puts out. Yeah. So he showed up in August and by the time they had to start working on their big stuff that they showed everybody, it all got canceled. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, woof. Yeah. And so, (laughs) so basically everyone everyone's job kind of turned into hey we have things that need to get done and we don't really have people that we hired to get these things done yeah so we all just kind of had to fill in different different gaps that our job descriptions didn't even touch and part of what's crazy about that is that um ciy christ and youth they will hire people from all over and they'll just kind of localize in Joplin, Missouri at their headquarters when they need to, and then go out and do events together. Mm -hmm. So when the pandemic hit, 
you had the Joplin people and the Joplin area people and that's it. You didn't yeah. have a guy I knew from St. Louis right. and uh, people from Arizona and whatever. Right. Yeah. We yeah. didn't have anything like that. So, uh, so my one year limited term contract, part of the contract even was like at the end of the year, we'll evaluate such and such, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Which I knew meant one of a few things, either they want to keep me on and they'll be like, here, we'll give you promotion. Uh, or they'll be like, it was a great year. See ya. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, or maybe even like as like option to sub option a, I don't know. Yeah. But like, uh, maybe like a church in that one year would approach me and be like, Hey, we, we think you're pretty cool. You should come apply or something. So I, I figured it was going to yeah. be something like that within that year. Uh, but with the pandemic, everything just kind of got screwed up. But I mean, in that, in, in that whole amount of time, I've just grown to love the mission of, of CIY. I think I said yeah. Creston youth before we call it CIY for anyone who's Insiders not familiar. Insiders call it CIY. Yeah, the cool kids Their call it CIY. Their enemies call them Creston youth, but their friends call them <laughs> CIY. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I'll say that. Yeah, I'm um, kidding. I don't know if it's a single enemy they have, but... Um, it's what I've always noticed. So we both went to Ozark Christian college mm -hmm. in the early to middle 2010s, yep. which isn't that long ago. Yep. Um, but we both went there and it felt like CIY for, um, worship musicians, worship leaders for production people. It felt kind of like the Saturday night live of production and <laughs> and worship ministry stuff uh -huh. where like Jimmy Fallon was there as a writer and a thing. And it was a ton of work and it could like burn you out, but it was a great place to like get your foot in the door and then get launched somewhere else. That's kind of why I saw as an example from some other people. Okay. Yeah. Like, like, yeah, I, I was a camera guy for CIY for a couple of years and now right. I'm the production lead at this church or I'm the, yeah. at this camp or something like that. Um, that's what I saw it as, but there were a few people who stuck around mm -hmm. more than a couple of years, more yeah. than the, the expected time people right. think you should as the, as the contract people. And you were one of them. Yeah. So, um, I think that's a funny way to, to frame that because I've never heard that before, but, uh, I do, I do think that there's like, there's a decent amount of truth to that because, of the number of people that I know who came in as like contracted staff. I mean, that's how I started. Yeah. Um, was, I was just contracted for production. Um, and so like I did believe in 2018 in the and spring. For those who don't know what that is, what's believe, uh, believe is our, uh, middle school event that we do in the spring, the winter and spring on weekends. Yeah. Um, it is unfortunately not happening this year. Uh, but we love believe dearly <laughs> and yeah. we hope to see it return. Um, uh, and so I was, I was there as just like a camera op in 2018 and I would help with, with the, like our led wall, which was new to CIY at that point. I think that was the first year that CIY had, um, had an led wall for video. Whereas yeah. before any video was all like projection, um, which is a, I don't like projection. <laughs> I'm a, <laughs> I'm a bad production person. There's things in production I don't like and projection is one of them. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, and so like I would help set up the led wall, but then halfway through that tour, I actually kind of turned into the, um, the a two or like I was assistant to the, to the lead audio engineer. Okay. Uh, and which audio at that point, I already knew audio was the main thing that I wanted to get into. Yeah. Um, and so I was just, 
I ate that up. I got to help fly the PA, uh, put the subs in, patch the stage, do all those things, uh, and just had a ton of fun doing it. And then in 2019, um, was when I finally started to get to do more audio stuff for CIY. Um, so spring of 2019, I was the, officially I was the A2 for Believe. Uh, and then in the summer I did move, which is our high school event in the summertime. I did move as an audio engineer and it was like, it was in that, it was in the spring of 2019 that, um, that my current boss, um, who's the head of the production department, he wanted to meet with me and he was like, Hey, you know, I've been seeing how much you've been, you've been doing for us these last year and a half. Uh, and I would like to offer you this position. And I was like, let me think about it which was really like, I don't know why I thought about it for as long as I did, because you just I wanted just, it. I should have just accepted yeah. it. Um, but I thought about it for a little bit and then accepted it. I think probably in like, I think that we met in February and then I accepted it in like May, but didn't, didn't actually start until August. So I did the whole summer tour. It was kind of, I, I played my cards right because I knew I was going to get paid more by staying contracted in the summer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So all in all, you are at least with CIY, like a, a pretty experienced production person, mm -hmm. mainly audio is what you love the most, but got your hands in a lot of different stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, so if you've noticed, Jeremiah is not here, Michael's here. He's a big production guy. We're going to be taking a break from our series going through, um, chapters of the book, the worship pastor by Zach Hicks. Um, we'll come back to that next time or something like that. And we're going to stop and talk today about, um, production and have a bigger podcast on that. Um, so, uh, but each week we, or each week, this is not every week. This is like every other week or something. Every time <laughs> we have a suggested resource or an album or some sort of art thing or whatever, this time, especially because we're on the suggested resource, uh, one for a production podcast, I want to let Michael introduce our suggested resource, which is MXU. Yes. Um, I would imagine I could be wrong. I would imagine that if you're a worship pastor that's listening to this podcast, uh, you are probably at least aware of MXU. Um, but for anyone who's not aware of MXU, what they are is um, they they're a church production group that is that is focused entirely on helping to um, to really improve uh, churches and their, their practice and approach to production, um, in a pretty broad sense. Now they originally started with audio actually. Um, and so it was started between three guys, uh, that were all audio engineers in different locations around the country. Um, all of them involved in different capacities with the church. Um, and they all were like, you know what, we should start a podcast and start talking about what we do with audio and all this different stuff and talk about like philosophy. Um, so there's the MXU podcast and they have, uh, they have guests on almost every episode. I think there's like a couple of episodes that they don't, but they have guests that are like pretty high profile is the term I was trying to think of. I can yeah. think of it like high, high profile guests that are like front of house engineers for big touring artists. Um, lately they've gotten into some lighting and video. And so they've had some like, pretty impressive guests in those, in those realms, um, having reps from, I think from places you would recognize from, from, it's yeah. I'm not a, a lighting guy. And so I as always a worship forget. pastor. I'm like, I don't recognize any of the people's names, but as soon as they're like, I'm the lighting guy at red rocks, I'm like, or at no, what is that? Is that a place? Is that a church? What's that red one? Red rocks that is a church. Fill this place. 
and some other songs. I think that's Red Rocks. Yeah. I didn't know if it was. I don't think they had a guest from Red Rocks on the podcast, though. Yeah. Not yet. I can't verify that. But it's like <laughs> as soon as they'd say the, the church or say where they where they did their lighting. It's right. like, oh, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> so their podcast, which I've done a pretty bad job of explaining so far. <laughs> uh, in short, the podcast is all about um, really encouraging church production people um, and just giving them uh, some helpful wisdom in how to approach certain situations from a philosophical standpoint. And sometimes they talk about gear, uh, which is surprisingly not that much for being gear people were in production. Yeah. Um, and the podcast itself has been pretty hugely formative for me, uh, over the last, I mean, I've been listening since 2018. So three years, three and a half. Yeah. Um, uh, but they also have other things. So they have, they have this thing called MXU live, which they've been doing, I think from the beginning, uh, which is a live event. It's hard to explain because there's not really anything that's quite like it. I think um, the way that I've always tried to explain it is it's like a round table event where they all come together and they bring their own audio console and they, um, and they basically listen to and critique each other's mixes. So they have these multi-track okay. mixes that they'll play that they've had a chance to like go through and actually mix. They play it back and then all the other engineers will listen and then they'll ask questions. They'll be like, Hey, I want to focus on this thing. And ultimately they all walk away from that event as better engineers, but it's a live event. So you can actually go and attend it and like yeah. sit in and listen to the conversations and they'll turn in and address the people that are there in attendance. So I recently got to go to one for the first time. Uh, praise the Lord. It was very exciting. Um, That's sick. it was a lot of fun to go and just listen to these amazing mixes. Um, sorry if you heard that, that's my computer. It had some sort of announcement <laughs> to make. Um, uh, yeah. yeah. So I recently got to go to the one that they just had in Tulsa a few weeks ago, uh, in October. I don't know when this is going to air. That's something that's going to that, air in October 2024. Say, right. Like, yeah. I don't know when this is going to air. I don't know if my yeah. book will be out yet. <laughs> yeah. We're not that fancy, uh, but we're in, we're in mid October. So a couple yeah. weeks ago, I got to go to Tulsa. They had an event there, um, but they also have a couple other resources. They're basically two sides of the same resource. Um, they, it's called MXU now. Mm -hmm. Um, and so you can, you can get it in two ways. You can, you can get MXU now at like as an individual, I think it's, $15 a month that you pay annually for, um, wait, $15 a month or it's $15 a month. Like that's the monthly rate, but I think you pay it annually. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, okay. it used to be like 30 bucks a month, but the price has gone down because that's I think, great. you know, individuals, but they also have another thing there. You, you're paying for the same thing with both of these services. Um, but the other thing is called MXU teams, um, and it's actually, it has unlimited like seats essentially, gotcha. um, that you can, that you can fill this with, you pay like a hundred bucks a month for the same services that I haven't explained yet, um, for the same services, but you can have as many people on your team at your church as like under that license. Yeah. And so what MXU now and MXU teams provides is they have this, this, this growing library of videos where they've actually um, tried to um, tackle very specific um, topics when it comes to uh, production in general. It originally was just audio because it was started by audio engineers, um, but they've, especially with the pandemic, they've accelerated um, talking about video and lighting as well. That's super um, cool. And so some videos I think are a little bit longer, but some videos are also just like a few minutes long 
like it just kind of depends um and and they have like videos that basically are for beginners essentially and videos that are way more on the expert level so um at least as they pitch it no matter what experience level you're at in church production um there's going to be something to learn yeah uh, which is I love pretty cool cuz i I, um, my roommate in college was like the chapel sound guy yeah. the whole time. And I, I say sound guy in I'll... a medium endearing way. <laughs> if, if I want to be highly endearing, I'll say audio engineer. I'm just going to say sound guy. Sorry, Josh. Anyway, uh, but, <laughs> but Josh, I, I love you. I, I miss learned, you. I miss you too, Josh. I just saw him like a month ago, oh, month nice. and a half. Um, I learned most of what I know about mixing from hearing him complain about temple <laughs> services and whatever. Uh-huh. And like, ah, oh, this, whatever, or yeah. like, or brag about fixing out of phase issues right. and stuff. Anyway, I learned most of it from there. And so I, I feel uh, like semi-competent. Mm-hmm. I've run audio for events, maybe not the best that anybody ever could, but then I watched some of their videos and I think I stepped into the deep end and it was like, yeah, I go through these 20 laptops all with different plugins. Right. And I was like, I've never even thought yeah. about stepping outside of the board itself. And right. And so I love that they have stuff for every level. So yep. no matter where you're at, you can jump in and fill out what you know. And then if you're like, I want to step this up, there's a clear way to do that. Mm-hmm. If you're not just on YouTube looking at random videos of theirs. Yep. And they do have like they do have a YouTube channel where you can watch like shorter versions of a lot of their videos for free. Yeah. Um, I've watched probably most of them at this point, just as they've uploaded. Um, because I have to confess, I don't pay for MXU now. <laughs> I just is, know about it and I wish I had it, but uh, I currently don't actually have it, you know. So it's a thing. if Michael's mom is listening, what he wants for Christmas. Yeah, mom, please. Is the MXU now individual. I'm going to have to send this podcast to my parents now. <laughs> <laughs> what I want for Christmas is buried in this podcast. Yeah. Listen to the whole thing and tell Margie, me if you find it. If you're listening, <laughs> I'm serious and you know because I never call you by your name. Uh that's you heard it here. That's it's getting um, thrown down. Uh there there is there is another aspect to MXU teams that I don't think you get if you just do MXU now. They have like a Slack channel. Oh. Yeah. Four teams. So like I don't, I don't imagine that like everyone who is part of teams can be part on the Slack channel. It might just be whoever is like the account owner. <laughs> I don't okay, actually know the ins and outs of how that works. Um, and then they have another option. This is their most expensive option that one day I'd love to go to. Um, but who knows? It's called MXU all access. And it's a weekend event, like two or three days, um, where they like rent out a house and you can pay, I want to say it's like a thousand dollars to just be an attendee. Or you can pay, I think, $2,000 to be a participant where you like if you're a participant, you say what console you use at your church um, and then you can bring your own multitracks from your church um, and at all access like they will help you go through and just improve your show file on your console, your workflow, your mix. That's Uh, insane. And it's like like. And it's all paid for like in that price tag. So like all the food and, and housing and everything is all paid for. So I would love to go to that one at some point, but it's, it's limited seats. I think it's like 20 people or something like that. If you do that, let me know. Yeah. And I will tell you that I don't have that kind of money, but that I would have loved to go. Yeah. It'll be a courtesy <laughs> invite. <laughs> it'll be. That's what it'll I'm be. I'm ready for it. Yeah. I'm okay with that. Yeah. Okay. So 
you've heard about it here at MXU. They have a podcast. They have um, videos. They have. And I believe that podcast is available anywhere. Yeah. That you listen to podcasts. Hopefully Spotify I think that's and another Apple podcast podcasts. thing to say, right? Yeah. Wherever you listen to Wherever podcasts. Wherever fine podcasts are Which sold. every time I hear that, I'm like, I'm listening to a podcast here and now. So is it here? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I hope so. I haven't checked, but, um, we will link, uh, where you can go and find MXU stuff down in the description. Um, when we come back, we're going to be talking about worship production stuff. Can't wait. So you've been telling us, um, a good amount about your production background, about your, um, the production resource we have for this week. I just want to, what is your vision for production in the church? So the shortest way that I can put it is what I want in church production is that anyone who meets someone that's in church production to walk away from that interaction and their lasting thought being, wow, that person really loves the church. Yeah. So, and that, that honestly, like, I think the first time I said that I was just kind of like thinking out loud. Someone else was asking me like, what are you really passionate about? Is when I was just learning that I liked production, like seriously loved it instead of just like, like a thing that I kind of enjoy on the weekends or whatever, which in the church would be exactly what it is. (laughs) It's just like a thing I do on the weekends on Sunday mornings. (laughs) Some people smoke cigars. (laughs) I run audio at our church. Um, And I, and I was just kind of thinking out loud and I said it that one time and I was like, actually, I think I'm going to hold on to that thought because I feel like that really well encapsulates the feeling behind what I want um, without me having to, like go into really elaborate specifics or anything. Yeah. Like, I think that just helps to really capture, um, you know, what I, what I hope for production as it is in the church. Um, but where, where it really comes from is like when I was first getting interested in in production, I was noticing that there were so many people that seemed like jerks Yeah, (laughs) that were in church production. They were just like, um, they seemed standoffish or joyless or tired all the time, which, um, the further I've gotten into production, the more I've understood that. Yeah. But the less that I like, I, I guess like on a, in a deeper way, the less that I've thought that it's okay. Whereas yeah. before I would have thought that it was just like a character issue, which I think in a sense it, it still kind of is. Um, but like, I, I, I think in the past I was just like, I was like, man, it's just dumb that someone acts that way. Whereas today I think it's a, a lot more complicated than that. Yeah. Um, you get it. I think for, as a, as a worship minister, been one for at least four years and been around worship ministry for a long time. I think for worship ministers, it's, they assume that a, that a audio engineer or any other tech person in the production team is going to be that way. It's a caricature issue rather yeah. than a character issue. Yeah. Cause I know at, at my church right now, I'm not going to name names in case he's listening, but there's almost no chance he's listening. <laughs> Chad, if you are, I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> Chad is a really cool, really awesome guy. He mm-hmm. will do anything. His demeanor is like, like the, the lone sheriff in an old Western town, cowboy, whatever, and just kind of gruff. But the second you like open up about anything or he does like, he's great. Mm -hmm. It's just like, he has some of the caricature that somebody would assume of a sound person who doesn't care, but he cares a lot. And I love that about him. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so even like within that vein of thought, like 
there's there are more people that are in the church that aren't even in production that also have those yeah perceptions about them um so i don't think it's exclusively a production thing it just happens to be that production is um is what i what i'm the most passionate about um and what i believe that i've been called to do if we like to say that we have callings <laughs> yeah um and and so like it happens to be that i have like that is true of me and i have also seen these things in a lot of other people that are in production. So yeah. it's not exclusive to production. It just happens to be that like, that's the lens that I tend to look through anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I think also just like, because I'm all about caveats and nuance all the time. <laughs> I can't, yeah. like, I can't just leave something said without talking about other things yeah. uh, that are related. Um, I think it's also worth, worth saying that like some people appear to be that way without being that way at all. Like, like Chad that you just mentioned. Yeah. Um, they might appear to be this kind of person, but they are not that kind of person. Um, and there's still an element of that, that I kind of wish that like, even if you're like seeing someone from afar that you would be able to tell, it, it just, again, yeah. it gets complicated, you know? Yeah. It's, it's like, we assume that if you're going to be somebody who loves the church and will do anything and serve and whatever, we assume you're extroverted. Yeah. And that's not, always the case. Honestly, it's not usually the case. Yeah. And for a lot of, a lot of, I know introversion and extroversion is bigger than this, but for a lot of like less social, more shy people, mm -hmm. what you need to like, feel like you're a part of it is an invitation. So it's the oh, invitation totally. to start serving. Yeah. It's also the invitation to start talking in a yep. conversation. Yeah. They may not come up and, and start talking to you, which is, again, it's totally acceptable. Right. But it just means you might have to dig a tiny bit to, to find that. Yeah. That awesome person underneath. Um, so that's your, your kind of like your vision for mm -hmm. what you're hoping church production will be like serving in it and, and interacting with people in it. How does that vision of people who love the church serving in production? Like, how does that work? What, what does that change about the person and the job they're doing? Yeah. Um, that's honestly a great question that I've not had very many people ask. So uh, when I stepped into worship ministry, I was 21. What I mean is full-time vocational worship ministry. I was a worship minister. That was my title, and I was hired to do that. Um, the first thing I did when I stepped in is talk to the people who had sway in the worship ministry, people who'd been leading after the last guy left before I showed up. Um, they had elders over the worship ministry from, from the elder board over the whole church, which I thought was super cool. I talked to all those people and we came together and we made a mission and vision statement so that if something was decided, if something looked bad and didn't work, it wasn't like, Oh, that's what Ryan wanted to do. And that's Ryan's opinion. I could say, no, that's the mission and vision and statement we came up with. So our vision was, um, uh, was we want to present a clear view of Jesus. So like, like if a service worked well, mm -hmm. it meant that we presented a clear view of Jesus. And we wanted to do that by communicating scripture for the participation of the church. Yeah. So the way that that work, that the vision of Jesus we want to present worked out was we wanted to rely on God's word and things like it and things quoting it and things s summarizing it and whatever, and communicate those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. 
so that people could participate with it. So what that meant is some of the songs with longer instrumentals, we either cut it out or shortened it so that there's more participation and less spectation. That was something that our church, um, I think more charismatic churches have an easier time knowing what to do when there's not words on the screen. We didn't, that wasn't our culture. So it was, it was cutting stuff like that out or putting scripture on the screen while we're playing an instrumental. It was, it was reading scripture on stage a lot. It was whatever, not because I thought that was the most fun stuff to do or the most enjoyable stuff, but because our vision was to present Jesus and we wanted to do that. And the way we did it was scripture for participation. So if you're, if your vision for what church production ministry looks like Mm -hmm. is seeing people in production ministry who love the church Mm -hmm. and it's hard to see them not loving the church, how does that work out in them doing their production tasks? Yeah. Um, before I actually really go into trying to answer that question, let me also clarify something really quick. Okay. So I'm not, I'm not going to backpedal and, and change what I said necessarily. Um, like that still is very much like a core, like core to my vision of yeah. church production, that idea of, of seeing someone that's in church production and, and, and understanding that they really deeply love the church. But I don't like, I, me saying that that's my vision is not me saying that I believe that is the most important thing about church production per se, or it's not me saying that like, if someone else's vision doesn't align with my vision, then one of us is wrong. It's like, it's, it's just like a facet of a multifaceted, um, issue. Yeah. So it is, I would say that it is a little bit like hyper-specific. Um, so I'm, it's your vision for the character of church production. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I love that. Um, so because I also think that there are people who have a much like a much broader impact on church production than I do that will be able to have the experience and the vision to be able to like approach church production in a way that honestly, I'm probably just never going to do if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, and that's not like a good thing or a bad thing. It just like, it just is a thing about the nature of having more than one person that focuses on one thing, if that makes sense. Yeah. So anyway, I just wanted to make sure that I'm clear on that because, um, I would hope that like the things that I say, I'm not, I don't think anyone has to really agree with what I'm saying necessarily, but I would hope that, that no one is going to misunderstand what I say as like, as like, Oh, he's totally missing the point. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I just want to make, make that a little more clear anyway, a little bit more broadly about what you were asking though. Um, so I think, I think there are a few things that are, that are pretty important in, in what, what that entails, what that vision entails. Yeah. Some things that I think are pretty core that aren't necessarily surface level. And then some things that are probably a little bit more like peripheral, so like off on the side instead of just being, yeah. instead of it being like the main thing necessarily, yeah. but is a byproduct, I guess. Yeah. Excuse me. You're good. Drinking a carbonated beverage does not necessarily mean that I will go burpless. This is a ad break for our sponsor, IBC Root Beer. Yeah. Find <laughs> it at any fine root beer salesman <laughs> at Walmart. 
whatever. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. They're not our sponsor. (laughs) They should be, though. Uh, I guess I'm their sponsor. You are. <laughs> I pay You're for a the brand drinks. ambassador. Yeah. And what of. really helps me mix is some, <laughs> some, IBC. I don't think I've ever had a root beer when I was mixing. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I've had other drinks before, but not root beer. Um, yeah. anyway, we're getting way off topic. <laughs> um, so some things that I think are, are pretty, um, are like just very, very important or, um, or are connected in some way. Um, and these are things that I'm not going to say that I'm like great at these things necessarily. Like these are things that me as a, as someone who is actively being redeemed and sanctified, like these are things that I am also learning how to do, um, and how to do well. Um, so I, I want to make it clear that also I'm, I'm not saying that like, these are things that I'm great at and I think everyone should yeah, you know, follow my you're example. You're not saying that you have reached the finish line yeah, yeah, and you are all. a person where everyone walks away and says, man, that guy really deeply loves the church. That's what you aspire to though. Yeah. And that's what, what you're hoping others in, in production ministry, cause that's where your heart is. Yeah. Will aspire well, and I to. hope that along the way people are already like, yeah, like believing that I love the church. I, this isn't about looks or anything either it's just like like yeah yeah i want people to to say that person loves the church but i also want to make sure that person loves the church (laughs) so yeah uh to clarify upon another clarification (laughs) uh it isn't clear yet so one of the so one of the things that i think is 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 critical is um just having a knowledge and love of scripture i feel like this is something for me that i'm always like having to learn and relearn and relearn and relearn over and over and over yeah. again. Um, especially having graduated from a Bible college. Um, uh, when I was at Ozark, I didn't have necessarily a Bible reading habit because I had a Bible reading curriculum. Yeah. You know, and you so had a then, Bible reading fire hydrant opened on you. Yeah. yeah. So then when I graduated, I was like, Oh, I have to make time now. <laughs> yeah. I have to think uh, about it. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, and that, that honestly, like that's, that is a habit that has like come in waves for me. Um, and only really like in the last year or so have I been able to, to develop a much more stable habit around that. Um, uh, and I like, I'm just going to say someone, someone who is wiser than me once called me out and said, Hey, are you reading your Bible? And I said, no. <laughs> and yeah. they said, they said, and this was when I was like, I was talking about like different things that I was struggling with. A uh, big one being loneliness. I was very yeah. lonely uh, at a certain point in my life. And they were like, are you reading your Bible? And I said, no, what does I have to do with that? And they're like, <laughs> they're like, you should read your Bible. And they didn't really like give me very much advice about loneliness. They were just like, you should spend more time in scripture. Yeah. And uh, I don't think I can overstate the impact that that on its own actually had on that issue and on many other issues. Um, so having a love for scripture and actually reading it regularly, I think is a big, big necessity. I'm not even going to say that like, it's really important. I'm going to say it's essential actually um, for someone who's in the church to actually be in scripture on a regular basis. Um, I think that's a big deal. I think um, you talking about your church experience and and the church overall having a vision that all of those teams had to come together to really represent that and support that vision. I think that's a big deal. So I think what I would even say in that is is just talking about how 
um, you know, the way that, that Paul describes the church as being the body of Christ and that they're like, there are multiple body parts and none of them can really do their job if that's the only body part that exists, Yeah, you know? And so, yeah. so I think it's worth highlighting like church production is another body part in the body of Christ. Um, uh, mm-hmm. I don't know how far I really want to go with saying things like that, but I think that's one of those things that like, I'm probably comfortable saying it in that, in that realm of, um, yeah. metaphor. I think like, like there are, there are denominations and styles of churches where church production, the way we think about it, yeah. running sound, running lights, et cetera, technology, like is a, is a vital part of how a Sunday morning operates. Yeah. But for a Catholic church, for high churches, church production is I made the communion bread this week or something like something like like there's always going to be people behind the scenes, helping, serving, um, supporting, um, whatever the performed ministry is. And, And I say that again, if you're in a church like the ones Michael and I attend, that's going to be an onstage kind of ministry with a preacher, with a mic, with a worship team, with mics and sound and whatever. If you're in a high church, that's going to be a priest with Which books actually, and maybe incense and stuff. Yeah. As, as we're talking about that, I'm going to say, let's put a pin in that also, yeah. because I think that's another thing that I, that I want to talk about. That's um, cool. Okay. I'll finish the, my current thought and then we can kind of okay. go like move in that direction. Um, so in saying that like church, produ- like church production is part of the body of Christ. Um, I think there are two issues at least that that really covers or that affects um, the first being on a more like internal sense with church production, like, like it's a, it's part of the body of Christ, which means like, let's be team players about this. Like let's like church yeah. production doesn't exist to serve itself. Um, it actually exists to serve the church at large, like overall, not, and not even just like whoever's on stage, like, like church production does play a supportive role, but it's not, it doesn't exist to be a support team for whoever's on stage because whoever's on stage doesn't exist for themselves either. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, so I think, I think that's really important to remember and that, and that has a massive impact or I think that like sheds an interesting light on, um, not interesting, helpful is probably a better word. Yeah. Uh, a really helpful light on the attitudes of people that are in church production that are not necessarily healthy attitudes. Like church production does not exist for itself. But I think a lot of people that are in church production act like it does. Um, The other the other thing that I think that this affects is the way that people who are not part of church production oftentimes might treat church production. Um, I think a lot of times it can get viewed as or treated as just a utility which it does like there are utilitarian things about church production. I'm not going to sure. say that that's yeah. not true because that's a huge part of what it does. Um, but I think there are a lot of people who only treat it as a, as a utility or regard it as a utility. And they're like, Oh, well, you know, that guy just runs sound for us. Yeah. He's not, he's not really here to minister. Yeah. I don't know, man. <laughs> I think, I think, anyone that is in production is actually ministering on some level. Um, and so like, there's a, there like, there's, there's a certain goal or vision that we're, that we are trying to, um, pursue and church production is part of the team or part of the body that is, is pursuing that. So, yeah, it's one way I visually see this, um, a lot in our church is that our church, um, 
the church I'm at now, Kingsway Christian Church in Mount Vernon. Um, I love them to death. Shout out. Um, where's my product placement bill? Um, anyway, one thing I love about them is they have centered a lot of their ministry and COVID's made this a lot harder. They've centered a lot of their ministry around having a meal together. So the way the church is built is like there's a gym and that's where the worship center is. There's a lot of churches like that, but they built it with the gym at the center. And then this like you around it of hallways and that's like classrooms and offices and whatever, but at the back center. Um, so the stage is on one side of the gym and on the other side is a double doorway into a commercial sized kitchen so they can put on some serious meals and, and like that's built into the architecture of our church. So when you see the church gathering together, that's for worship on Sunday morning. And then when we have a meal, since it's not every week anymore, sadly. Um, but when we have a meal, yeah, I gotta get that free lunch. Come on. That's exactly. <laughs> well, if you remember, it's suggested that you pay some money, but it's okay. Mm. But it's not one of expensive. those, one of those deals, one of those. Yeah. It's also a small town. So yeah. like, where else are you going to go? Yeah. There are 23 churches I mean, and there are three restaurants open Dunkerville or something. Um, yeah, you're right. Anyway, uh, <laughs> sorry to go off track, but, uh, so we, we have a meal after church sometimes. And what I love seeing is we're on stage, mm-hmm. uh, me and the band and the preacher and this guy named Mark Duncan who reads scripture on stage and he does a stupid good job. He memorizes it. I love yeah. him to death. Um, it's us on stage. It's the people in the seats and it's the people in the production booth, 12 feet in the air. Mm-hmm. And when we have mealtime, we all come down to the same tables and there's no distance. There's no like height distance or differentiation. There's no hmm. like we're all at the same spot. So yeah. I love watching them walk down the stairs from the booth and come down and getting in line with everybody else and talking. I love that because hmm. they're a part of the church. Yeah, totally. Yeah. That's cool. It's I sincerely love it. I can't overstate that. Um, I like food, too. Yeah, man, can't overstate that either. <laughs> I feel like we should be careful. <laughs> Gluttony's also a sin. Like three times a day at least. <laughs> um, uh, okay, so I mentioned you were talking about how like in different contexts, different things might be considered production. Yeah. And so, um, uh, I mean, I did uh, in, in 2020 in February before the U.S. was in a sorry state in regards to the pandemic. Um, uh, I actually was at the, uh, the respond worship retreat and, uh, led a workshop, um, on this topic. And if you happen to be listening and you're at the, that workshop, um, there's probably just going to be a lot of things that I'm saying here that, that might be familiar to what you would have heard, um, in that workshop. And this, this is one of those things. Uh, I will say, I wish that I had set myself up better to like, to present this in a way that was more engaging or interesting. Um, but I procrastinated <laughs> in my preparation, um, <laughs> for the one in February. A, yeah. And yeah, and a visual element would have been really helpful, but I just didn't get around to actually using it. Yeah. Um, so shame on me, but I, I wanted to, I wanted to make some claims about church production that I was like, these might be kind of controversial, but I'm going to stand by them. Um, and I actually think that this is really helpful in, in shaping a a theology around, around church production and whether or not Mm -hmm. there is a biblical precedent. Cause I actually think that there is to an extent, um, 
And, and what I started doing was kind of like simplifying or scaling back, um, you know, different things that might normally be expected to be part of production. So, you know, I mean, I, so I work at, at CIY and CIY for the most part, at least as far as church events go is on the much larger side of things in terms of production scale. Like we do pretty big shows. We have large PA, we have bright lights, um, and we have, uh, a lot of, a lot of video heavy content, mm-hmm. um, that we show at our events. Um, and in a lot of ways, like our events are very similar to a concert. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to shy away from saying often that. I know that I've been to a couple and often it's thousands and thousands and thousands of people like, like some, some events are, are some, pretty big. I'm, <laughs> are I'm thinking thousands, only move events. Yeah. I've been to the one in Michigan a couple of times. That one is, is one of the much larger ones. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, um, and so, you know, our, our events, a lot of times really are very similar to a concert, which I know, uh, there are some different opinions on, on that topic in church production, but, um, but as far as like what we do and what our vision is, I think that fits pretty well with what we try to accomplish, um, and us helping to really partner well with, with churches, um, Anyway, so I started with, you know, going as large as like a concert style event where you have a large PA with lights and video um, elements. Um, And I basically just started listing these things and I said, that's production. And then I would go down a step and I would be like a couple loudspeakers and a microphone on stage with maybe just a couple lights to wash the stage. That's also production. And I just started going down this list. And I think... Um, some of the things that I, that I listed after that were even just like a single microphone on a stage, um, stained glass windows in a church. Yeah. Um, and I just, I think actually the next step was just me saying, I also think the tabernacle was a form of production. Um, which, which I hadn't really thought about until someone else, you know, started kind of talking about the things that the tabernacle did. And I was like, Oh, wait a second. Yeah, we do similar sorts of things as what the tabernacle did, um, but there there are some key differences. <laughs> <laughs> Couple, uh, <laughs> one is all the blood. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, we don't. Yeah, there's no real blood at CIY events or fake blood. Yeah, that doesn't happen. Do they have a suggestion um, box? I've got one suggestion for <laughs> no. more fake blood. <laughs> uh, no. More sacrificial lambs. Yeah. Um, so. So, I mean, if you think about it with the tabernacle, the way, the way that it functioned, um, is that there were multiple elements that were basically intended to tell and remind um, Israel of the story of salvation. Um, and you know, I'm not the most fresh on those elements right now, so I won't be able to say like this thing was specifically about this part of salvation, but there were multiple, like multiple things there, like there was an altar that, that was there to remind Israel that they were sinful and they, that they needed God for their salvation. Um, and that there had to be blood spilled to atone for their sins. Um, there was the bread of the table. I can't really remember what the bread. Yeah. Yeah. And that was, um, so the, the tabernacle was the temple, but it's a tent 
And that was when Israel was camping out. And so they're all in tents, but the tabernacle is the tent at the center Mm -hmm. where God is. That's where his his presence is supposed to be. And so as you go from the outer courts to the holy place inside the tent to the Holy of Holies, kind of God's bedroom in the tent, which is where the Ark of the Covenant was. Um, As you get further and further in, it's like closer and closer to where God's presence is supposed to be. Um, but all of that stuff is production. Yeah. You're super right. Cause like, like I I've heard a few people complain about like, why are we trying to make an environment in this room for whatever? <laughs> and what you're doing is you're using lights and a stage and PA and, and video elements and whatever to create an environment for that. It, is there any precedent in that in church history? Yeah. Architecture and v- priestly robes and even like, I went to a Catholic church. It was for a school assignment at Ozark to go to a, a church of a different denomination. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember that assignment. This is burned into my brain. Um, they were, when we read scripture on stage, sometimes if we don't think about it, we do it off our phone. We do it from a Bible and then we toss it on the floor or whatever, which I'm, I'm like a stickler about now. Like don't put the yeah. <laughs> treat it. Um, anyway, if you don't use at least American flag rules for your Bible, don't, uh, it on the floor don't whatever anyway okay that's a <laughs> bang, that's bang. a sticky topic but um when i went to this catholic church a big part of their service was scripture reading yeah. they use a thing called the lectionary so there's an old testament reading a psalm a gospel and a, an epistle basically somewhere else in the new testament reading there were those four and they had different books for the four and they had different podiums for some of the four there was a, a podium all the way on the right it was the lowest my right facing the stage. And that's where the guy preached from for like eight minutes. Then there's a podium on the left where random people from the church got up and read some of these passages and it was higher than the, them preaching one. And then there's one in the center higher than the rest. And when they read the gospels, they went to the back of the room, unlocked this like golden vault looking thing, (laughs) pulled out the golden book of the gospels, kissed it, raised it up, had this whole like pomp and circumstance, getting it to the middle of the room. And they didn't have to say, Scripture is important. It they shows up. just obvious, yeah, because of the production they did around it. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, there's a precedent in church history. I think the tabernacle and the temple provide yeah. our our precedent biblically. Same kind for, of thing. Um, I mean, it's essentially like what like what we're wanting to accomplish every Sunday or Saturday night or Thursday night, depending on your church. Yeah. Um, you know what we're trying to accomplish every week is is we want to remind people of the story of salvation in some way. Um, yeah. Like, and if, if we're not, if we're not doing that, then I think we're missing a huge part of why we gather, you know? So like, if, like if you're at a church that does communion on a weekly basis, the whole point of communion is reminding people of the story of salvation. Um, like Jesus literally said, do this in remembrance of me on the night that he was betrayed. Yeah. So like everything that we do within our church services, I think on some level needs to be geared towards that. Now, I guess I said everything, depending on what your church context is, maybe not literally everything, but, but who like, knows, but the whole, you like, should have entered and exited the service the and have remembered idea. Jesus. Yeah. The core yeah. idea is we're remembering Jesus and what he did yeah. for us. And, and so for me, um, being someone that's in production, if we're not leveraging production to accomplish that, then, then we're missing out 
And now there are some churches that like don't have production elements in the way that we think of them. So like, I mean, I've, we've been talking about production pretty broadly so far. Yeah. Um, and that that's on purpose, at least on my end, because I think that there are a lot more things that, that we can call production than just speakers, microphones, lights, yeah. um, you know, projection or led wall or whatever. Um, I think there's so much more that can go into it, um, all the way to the practices like the Eucharist or, um, stained glass windows or baptism, like all of these different things. I think all of those things are more or less an element of production. Um, and, and all of it again is just to help us point to, uh, the story of Christ and how he saved us. I, I feel like this just gets back to, um, the idea that church production should be aiming at deeply, truly loving the church. Yeah. So like the, the environment for worship kind of thing with the tabernacle, with church architecture, with yeah. lights and sound and whatever. Um, it's not for the spectacle. Yeah. It is for loving Jesus, for representing Jesus. I've even said this before that like that it, you don't need an altar call necessarily, but worship services should be for the point of re-evangelizing everybody every week. Um, if you've never heard the gospel story, if you've never um, like submitted your life to Jesus Lordship and Jesus saving, like we need to tell you the gospel. Yeah. And if you're a Christian, you've probably started forgetting it through the week in little yeah. ways and you need to be reminded of the gospel. Um, that's why um, that's one reason. Okay. I'm going to stop talking about the high churches for a minute after this, but <laughs> that's one reason why I love part of their production, their architecture um, in a Catholic church and Anglican church, some Lutheran churches, you walk in and the first thing you see is this little like giant birdbath looking thing. Yeah. And you're like, okay. And people dip their fingers in that and do the sign of the cross on them and whatever. That's their baptistry. If you didn't realize that. So every week people walk in and they don't just dip their hands in random water or holy water or something. They dip their hands in the baptistry that for some of them, they were baptized in yeah. and they, they, through a tactile measure, feel the water they were baptized in. Hopefully they've changed it out, but like feel the water they were baptized (laughs) in and touch that cold water on their forehead as they're doing the sign of the cross and remember their commitment to Jesus. And like, like that is a little way that they're re-evangelizing every week that they're reminding you of. And so like, I love that the goal of production in your mind is like to help people, both the production team and, and through producing the service help grow people and transform people into people who deeply love the church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, there's a couple other things, um, that I want to, that I want to touch on the, the big thing that we'll get to in a second is I want to talk about like the, the general functions of production, I think is a, a pretty natural next step in this conversation. Yeah. Um, but the other thing I want to circle back because you mentioned like people being like, why are we like making an environment, which yeah. I think is kind of a funny, like a funny note. Um, or like a funny question to ask, I, I'm not going to judge anyone for asking that question. Um, but, but I, I do think it, it is a little bit, I think it is a little bit funny to ask that question because there's in my mind, nothing wrong with even just creating an environment. Um, because I've, I've had, I've had people help me to understand a facet of production in this way. 
um, that, that it's in a way that I'm particularly inexperienced. <laughs> yeah. Um, but this is, this is probably one of the easiest ways to really try and help explain why even an environment can be helpful. Um, so imagine you're going to have a romantic dinner with your wife, Yeah, <laughs> uh, which, uh, which I don't have one, <laughs> a romantic uh, dinner? I've, uh, no. I've not had a romantic <laughs> dinner or a wife. Um, but so like, just imagine that you are, um, yeah. there are ways that you might want to have a romantic dinner that would accomplish what you want to achieve. You know, like, yeah, like that would basically function exactly how you hope a romantic dinner would. There are also ways to do it poorly or to just like throw it out the window, essentially. So um, I don't think as someone who has no experience, I don't think you would want to like call it a romantic dinner if you just cooked up some ramen and you eat it while you're both checking your phones and then you uh, watch Netflix for the yeah, rest of the night. That uh, hit way too close to home. <laughs> My wife, Sharon and I, I think our first Valentine's day we were dating and, um, <laughs> and I was like, we should go get Chinese at this place, whatever. It'll be great. So I ordered it. Um, and I first drove her to the wrong location and then we finally got to the right location and they didn't have a dine-in option. Oh, nice. So we had <laughs> no environment. Sharon is sitting here. Do truck. you remember this, yeah, Sharon? I'm, I'm okay. feeling the glare and I deserve <laughs> it. I know I messed up. I didn't put the prep work I needed to into that. I didn't create the environment I actually created a pretty stressful environment. Um, cause this Valentine's day, I was like, I got it. And I did not got it. I didn't even kind of got it. Um, yeah, that's the importance so, of environment. So, well, I mean, <laughs> on, on the flip side of having a poor environment, I've like, like, just like, I feel like the universal visual language of, oh, this is a romantic dinner. Like we've seen it in movies. Yeah. Like you have a table that's set really nicely, maybe a nice tablecloth or something. Candles on it. Probably candle lit, yeah. you know, no overhead lighting or like very little overhead lighting. And yeah. like everything is just kind of like soft. Like yeah. there's nothing that's like very loud that's happening around. Like, like the whole, the whole setting is so that you and your significant other can focus on each other and yeah. also maybe the food that you're eating. Yeah. But you know, you can, you can, you can really like, Focus all your energy on enjoying spending time with one another because the environment set you up to be in a position where that's almost your only choice. Yeah. So, um, and it's funny. Okay. So one of the things that I've heard, um, I'm not going to throw this person under the bus cause I don't want anybody to know, but a friend of mine is a person who works at a church and he had somebody come up to them. They have the typical, rock concert looking oh, worship yeah. service. All I mean by that is there are lights on the stage and everywhere else is kind of dark. Um, anyway, and he had a lady come up to him after church who said, Hey, if Jesus is the light, why are we making the room so dark? And uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was, That's they a pretty covered funny up question. windows with black curtains and whatever. Yeah. And um, he had a pretty good snarky response that he held back. Um, but for me, like, that's part of the environment. It's drawing your attention to certain things and not others. Yeah. Um, in that, in that romantic the dinner thing setting, that I talk about. the candles on the table only shine light enough for your faces to and the lit. food. Yeah. And you're like, why can't I see the corner of the bathroom yeah. from here? 
Well, no, because we don't need that. Yeah. Because we're part of the environment is drawing you <laughs> to like drawing you to the spots it, right. it wants you to focus on. Yeah. Anyway, I just had that thought, but that's a good thought. Yeah. So the environment's important. The environment is very important. You know, so church church production having a precedent in the tabernacle and church history. Um we've established that. I think I think it's worth also asking a question like like what are the general functions? Like like we get some of the specific functions of of you know, we have someone that runs sound or we have someone that runs lights or someone that is yeah. the video director or something like that. Or in some settings, not even a video director. You just have someone that runs pro presenter. Yeah. Um, uh, but I think, I think it's worth, it's worth asking what are some of the functions of church production? And this one, I have to be careful about my attitude when I talk about this one. Yeah. Because um, I, I, I tend to, if I'm not careful, if I don't check myself, I have this attitude of, of there's a piece of knowledge that I hold that other people don't necessarily hold. <laughs> so I yeah. have to be kind of careful. But, um, so I think there are two, there are two okay. general functions, um, to church production and maybe there's more, but these two are the ones that like, in my mind, like they cover basically everything. Um, like you can, you can take all of the specifics of church production and place them under these two general functions. Um, and I would guess if you're ever, like, if you come from a church setting where, where production is, is a like conversational topic, whether positively or negatively or of debate, or I don't know, mm -hmm. my guess is one of these things you've heard before, um, because I mean, I've heard other people say this in, in conversation so many times. Um, and I don't even know, like, I remember when I was saying this and I don't even know if like I heard someone say it or if like through osmosis, I just kind of like figured just this, absorbed this it. aspect out. Yeah. Um, and so, so this I think is the most common function or purpose that most people hear about. And that is, um, like alleviating distractions. Yeah. You know, like, or like we want to create a distraction free environment. Um, and I think it's totally legit. Like, I think that's a very, very important facet of production. Um, because when people are walking into your, your church doors, they're walking in with baggage. Um, and some of that baggage is worth holding on to actually as they walk through the doors. But some of that baggage is like not necessarily helpful, you know, like all yeah. that, like, there's all kinds of baggage. There's all shapes and sizes of baggage, but it's like, not all of it is actually like important baggage. You know, some of it is just like little carry on baggage, you know? Yeah. So like if you have a paper that you're trying to write, probably not like eternally significant baggage, but if you're someone who has marriage problems or if yeah. you're someone who has anger issues or, you know, something like that, like, like those are probably like eternally significant baggage um, and, uh, and those are things that like, we want to help address in a, in a helpful way. But like, if you have a paper to write or whatever, like just a task. Yeah. yeah. Like, like we get it. You're thinking about it. Or, you know, if you want to watch the football game after service is over, yeah. like, like those are things that like, honestly, we don't care about those things right now. 
I think it's fine or funny, you know, to sometimes address those kinds of things from stage, but like in general, like that's not what we're here to talk about. Like that's not, that's not why we're gathering today. We're gathering because of Jesus. And so we want to really help like alleviate distractions that are taking our attention away from Jesus. Um, so I think that's really important. Um, I want to circle back to alleviating distractions in a second, but first I want to talk about the other purpose. And this is one that I don't think very many people actually get to talk about or get to hear about. Um, But I honestly, like, I feel like it's more important than just alleviating distractions. And you actually alluded to it a second ago when we were talking about, um, (laughs) when we were talking about like at a, like in, in the setting of a romantic dinner, like the candlelight, is there only to illuminate like uh, just enough so that all of your attention can be focused on your significant other and the table setting. Yeah. Um, and so th- within that, like with, with that vein, I think the other, the other function or the other purpose of production is to actually help guide people's attention. Yeah. So, yeah, which I don't huge. think that's, I don't think that's anything that's like, wow, so profound that you just, how could you ever think of that? Like, I don't think it's again, yeah. like I have to like check myself. I don't think I have some secret knowledge or anything like that when I say that, but I think it just helps to frame it up in a way that like probably a lot of yeah. people don't necessarily get to hear someone else say. Um, and so like it, but like it makes sense because if part of what we're trying to do is tell the story of the gospel, tell the story of salvation, we want to make sure that we're doing everything that we can to guide everyone, everyone's attention to that like to the story that we're telling. Um, and so we have multiple tools at our disposal to be able to, to accomplish that. Now, granted the tools that we have at our disposal are going to scale to what your church's budget is or whatever your like cultural setting is. So, you know, the cultural setting of a Catholic church, there are going to be different tools at your disposal, um, than, than what you might see at like a non-denominational church or a small town church of a given denomination, you know, or like even like a really big Baptist church that gets yeah. a lot of money because I think that happens at some Baptist churches. I don't know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, that was a great way to phrase that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and so like, so the tools are going to be different. They're going to scale, but all of us do have multiple tools at our disposal. I mean, I mentioned stained glass windows earlier. Yeah. I think stained glass windows um, I, I think, I think it's funny. I think sometimes they get totally like, um, underused or like underutilized, um, case in point, don't get me wrong. I love Ozark Christian college. Yeah. Many fond memories coming from that place. Uh, I spent a lot of time in the chapel at Ozark because I was on the chapel tech crew, which they yeah. recently changed to chapel production. And I'm so thankful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I spent a lot of time in that building and they have like these stained glass windows in there, but it's literally like, like little squares and rectangles that are cut out and they're just stained to different colors. Yeah. And th- like, that's all that they are now. Sometimes if the sun's coming in at the right angle, sometimes it might look nice, but that's about the full extent of it. But I'm sure all of us have been to, or most of us have probably been to churches before that have stained glass windows that actually have an image made out of the stained glass. Yeah. Like, like maybe you've been to a church that has stained glass windows that actually show, um, the, the stations of the cross. 
or or like stained glass windows that show um just like different stories from the gospels you know like and maybe different Jesus apostles. feeding the 5000 different apostles yeah. um, people so like so so like that that i think is a tool that actually gets really underutilized um as but as far as like the context that probably most of us think of when we think of church production we have audio lights and video like that's that's what most of us are probably going to be working with most of the time so like for me as an audio engineer, I'm approaching, um, you know, how do I want to mix the band, you know, depending on the song, who's leading, who's playing, whatever instrument I might make certain decisions based on those factors, because I know that depending on who's playing that weekend is going to have some sort of effect or whatever song we're leading is going to have some sort of effect on people's overall experience which I think is an interesting word that we don't have to talk about today, but yeah, uh, I think experience is a word that <laughs> maybe gets misused a little bit. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. Um, I'm good with that. Uh, but, but the truth is people are walking in and having some form of experience when yeah. they, when they go to church. Um, and so, and, and what we do, the decisions that we make are going to be shaping people's experience. Um, and so, you know, maybe there's like, maybe there are some backup vocals on this, like on this song that is honestly like a bit of an anthem for the church. And w- when we get to the last chorus of this song and we, we have the, the lead vocalist, but then we can hear the harmonies that are with it, that bring just like a really rich presence to the song and really helps to enhance the message of the song. Like that's going to have an impact on, on, on the the dad of four who's just like really struggling at work and doesn't yeah. want to come to church and sing, you know, like, yeah. And there's, I, I love that. There are ways that you can use production, use whatever tool you have your hands on during a service to do that kind of stuff. So yeah. like you were saying, bringing in more voices to certain parts of songs, right? Like if you're struggling with loneliness, the best things you can do in a church service are sit in the back where you can see everybody or whatever spot you need to sit where you can see everybody and then, and then hear more people. Mm-hmm. And it's like hearing yourself as a group, like, like you meshing into a group rather than you singing with the radio, you mm-hmm. singing with a vocalist Yeah, in some of those cool moments can be really yeah. good. But also for a lot of people, if you're new, you may not know the songs. Totally. So you need to hear that vocalist because yeah. that's the, that main melody vocalist. That's the only way you can learn the songs. Yeah. Um, or like with lighting. Yeah. Um, I think lighting can be interesting. Uh, and I know that there can be a lot of controversy around lighting. Um, I know a lot of people don't love things like flash and trash, which is a 100% valid opinion that I think I probably move closer to every day, honestly. Yeah. Um, but I think there, there are decisions that you can make with lighting. Like, um, like one of the decisions that I think you can make that's interesting is maybe you don't actually want to throw some face light on the worship leaders. Yeah, because maybe like maybe in your church context, there actually is a little bit of a cultural struggle that you guys have where if someone's on stage, it means that they're more important. Yeah. And so maybe you might want to decide, let's not throw a face light on the people that are leading worship because, yeah, they are leading worship, but they're not. Their face is the important part in this moment. Yeah. Jesus doesn't love them more. Yeah. Than you, you know, or, you know, whoever in the congregation. Um. Uh, and so like, like doing like whatever, like whatever we need to do that applies to your church context that really like just helps to 
encourage people to edify the church um, while we're telling the story of of salvation um, with video. I mean, this was this is a really simple thing that I that I did. There was one one summer that I toured as a video director for Move um, yeah. with CIY, um, and and this this is the most simple thing. But I honestly feel like it actually can be pretty helpful when like when you're running when you're running lyrics on ProPresenter, there's like certain like certain etiquette that honestly makes everything feel more cohesive um, and and generally less distracting. <laughs> distractions yeah. are still we need to make sure we're <laughs> alleviating yeah. distractions. But um uh, you know, so like you might actually want to make sure if you're running lyrics that you actually know the songs well enough to stay ahead of the band instead of being like, uh, I think this is actually the correct slide, but I want to make sure that they start singing it before I throw it up. Yeah. There. It's oh, an insecurity that I've had before. And it's an insecurity that I've, I've known so many other people that have. So like, I totally get that. Yeah. But like, maybe let's make sure we know the songs well enough to actually play the next slide before the worship leader starts singing it so that the congregation can sing it too. So that like, that's important. Yeah. But in addition to that, sometimes there are specific lines in songs that I think are just like more important than other lines. And if it's at the end of a phrase where there's going to be maybe one or two measures before the next line gets sung, I actually would leave that lyric up until yeah. either I was like, okay, I should take this down or, you know, whatever. Yeah. So like, like there are some, I think there are some lines in songs that are just like more encouraging or they speak a certain truth more than just like the last line just did. Like maybe the last line yeah. was, was there to set up this line. And now that we have like two bars of just an instrumental turnaround before we go to the next phrase, I'm going to leave these words up on the screen because if they're encouraging to me, they're probably encouraging to someone else, you know? Yeah. So like there are certain things that you can do. These are all like pretty quick and easy examples for me to just come up with on the spot. Yeah. It's but like, depending yeah. on what your church context is there, you can really think a little bit more critically about what are some ways that we can really leverage these tools that we've been given as we're telling the story of salvation. I love the frame you put around it with the two things. So there's, there's alleviating distractions mm -hmm. and there's, and there's uh re redirecting people's focus, mm -hmm. that kind of thing. It, as you were talking about it, I just couldn't get um, the beginning of Hebrews 12 out of my head, which seems to be, I mean, it's not saying production. I know that, <laughs> sure. but it's, it's, it's talking about these same things as you try to focus on Jesus. Mm -hmm. um, Hebrews 12, one, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses mm -hmm. to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, yep. get rid of distractions, things that, that divert our attention away from Jesus. Uh, strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up and let us run with endurance. The race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Yeah. It's, it's what translation is that? That's the NLT. I know there's a oh, lot okay. more words than the ESV. There's you a had lot to memorize. I, um, I don't normally read the NLT, but I was just gifted a copy of it. That's on my shelf. Up the there. NLT this is such a side note. It is my favorite version to read on stage because, um, I, I went to Ozark and I showed up as a little bit of a legalist. So I was like, <laughs> whatever is closest to the original language is what I want. And in my head, that meant like the most true translation versus those other false translations or whatever. And that was super messed up of me to think that. But, um, 
but I watched a video of Bill Mounts, the guy whose Greek textbook we used. He's on the board for the ESV translation, which is a pretty word for word literal. He's also on the board for the NLT. And I watched a video of him talking about the two. And he said, the NLT was way harder. So we had to do all the same work to come up with the same meaning for all the words as the ESV. And then be like, how do I tell somebody in speaking modern English this year that and make them understand it without knowing the cultural context? And that's how they how they do some of the more thought for thought yeah. readable translations. Anyway, so I use the NLT. I have a large print NLT on stage that I'll read from um, whenever I read. Large but print is probably a smart move, honestly, if you're it's, on stage. It's such a good $35 investment so that you're not like squinting through all your readings and whatever. Yeah. Or you look up and then when you look down, you lost your place. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> anyway, okay, that's such a sidetrack. Um, but yeah, the the focusing and the eliminating distractions yeah. and things that want to pull your focus away. I do I do want to circle back really quick though on, yeah. allevi- on alleviating distractions. Let's do it. Um so I think I think it's like a almost like a tiered stepped sort of thought process. I think the most important thing is that we're guiding people's attention. Yeah. And I think the second thing is that we're also removing distractions. What what gets kind of complicated and this is part of what I think is is a little bit funny um, in a way of like of the distractions piece being what most people think of. Um, but what makes what gets complicated with distractions is just like inherently by scaling up your production, you're introducing more distractions. Yeah. Um, so let's say you have a microphone on stage with a PA. You can that microphone can feed back. That's you a know? distraction you didn't that's have a, before. That's a distraction that. that you would have that you would not have had if you just didn't have a microphone and PA. Yeah, you know, um, flash and trash, you know, which I don't think Define is that bad phrase. necessarily. So, like flash and trash, what I think of like the majority of the time with that is a strobing effect. Okay. Um, yeah. Oftentimes, oftentimes with lights being directed at people's faces. I don't think there's nothing, I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with flash and trash, but I think it has a a much more specific place than how it often shows up. I don't know. I don't have a more formed thought about it than that right now. Yeah. But that's my sort of developing feeling about it. Lights less as a focus and more as an experience, like a sensory thing. Like you feel that they're pointed at you. And then they move away from yeah. you. The best thing that I've, that I've heard about lights and I didn't hear this directly. I should go ask the person that said it. If they remember saying this because <laughs> I haven't heard it directly from them, but the best thing that I've heard about lights is that lights can be used to extend the stage into the congregation to basically kind of like remove that, like almost sense of there being a tear. Yeah. You know, whereas like, well, we're just, we're not on the stage, but they're on the stage, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, and to help like make sure that the congregation is actually being brought into that, um, that active posture of worship. Yeah. Um, okay. anyway, distractions. So like, so <laughs> I think flash and trash in the wrong setting is distracting. Yeah. And I think that's why there are so many complaints about it because I've been to other churches that, that spend a lot of money on their lights and, and their production and they use lighting in a very dynamic way that never is flash and trash. Yeah. But was actually like, has been some of the most moving experiences that I've had observing lights. 
Yeah. Which is kind of a funny way to say that <laughs> it was moving while I observed. Um, uh, and like video, you might like accidentally throw the wrong key up if you're using a switcher and, oh no, we saw the green screen. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> like, I don't know. Like, like yeah. there's, like there's, there's all kinds of things like you can make mistakes. And I think there's two things to consider when it, when a mistake has been made in, in production. I think the first thing to remember is like, like Jesus still died for the people that made that mistake. Yeah. You know, like I've made some dumb mistakes running sound before things that are embarrassing, but Jesus didn't undie for me when I made those mistakes. Yeah. And he also died for me before I even knew I wanted to do production. So, um, so like those things are, are good to remember. The other thing I think we need to remember though, is like, we should still be approaching this with excellence. I'm not going to show up to run sound on Sunday morning, like in the wrong sort of attitude. I, I was about to say unprepared, but like running sound, in certain scenarios is one of those things that you don't necessarily necessarily like quote unquote prepare for in the same yeah. way that like you might prepare to play an instrument, <laughs> you yeah. know, like there's no I'm not like, you can I'm not do. practicing running sound, yeah. but maybe I should do the homework and like listen to the songs. Yeah. Um, and if, see what they if I'm unfamiliar on. with the song or something like that. So like, yeah. um, I'm like, I don't want to show up totally unprepared. Um, and then when I make a mistake, be like, Oh, well, but Jesus still loves me, you know? Yeah. Jesus does and, still love me, but at the same time, like Jesus was asking me to like do my job well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think it's a sign of caring deeply for the church that you do yeah. your best and like not your best in the moment only, yeah. but your best to do whatever you can do to prepare. But to echo your first point, I, the way I, I tried to phrase it to our team and I even, I even said this because of reading first Corinthians one, two, and three, um, it's like, the Holy Spirit is stronger than any mistake we could make up there. We don't try to make mistakes, but the Holy Spirit can do more and is never bound and has its hands, his hands tied yeah. by like us making a mistake. And that's, um, I, I'm sure I'll say this more later, so I won't drudge on now, but first Corinthians one, two, and three talk about how God uses the weak and the powerless to shame the powerful and the strong. And so anyway, Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, so for me, the, the main scriptures that I really like to think through and remind myself of when it comes to these kinds of things, um, like I, I was talking about like, like how Jesus still died for me, you know, yeah. Jesus didn't undie for me because I made a mistake or anything. A lot of that like attitude and that, that thinking comes from, uh, Romans five. Yeah. Um, like especially like verses one through 11, like that whole passage and the general idea that Paul is communicating is really just like, to put it, I guess, in a very Western sort of way, like he's communicating the timeline of when Jesus died of saying like, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Yeah. It wasn't after we learned how to stop sinning, Jesus died for us. It was while we were all still messed up, while we yeah. were all still weak and powerless, Christ died for us. So, uh, so whenever I make a mistake, I remind myself, just because I made that mistake doesn't mean that my salvation is no more. Just because I made that mistake doesn't mean that my value in Christ is no more. Like God's opinion of me is still unchanged because yeah. Christ is still there advocating for me. Yeah. Even though, darn it, I missed that cue. Yeah. Works are a natural outpouring of faith. Yeah. But God's opinion of you isn't dependent on how well you perform works. Right. Exactly. The prophet Jeremiah 
prophesied for his whole life. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure not a single person was like, oh, good point. Right. Like, I'm pretty <laughs> sure he had by by conversions and numbers and whatever people successfully being warned and turning their lives around. He had like a zero person track record. Yeah. But he was faithful the whole time. A hundred percent. Yeah. Anyway. Um, the other side of that that I want to remember is like, we really, there is a precedent for excellence. Yeah. Um, and you know, there's look at the Colossians, look at Colossians the 323. Yeah. When Paul, I'm, I'm reading it from notes because I don't have it memorized. Oops. Sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> when Paul says, whatever you do, do with all of your heart as working for the Lord and not for human masters. Yeah. This is something even recently, like in the last couple of months, I've been kind of examining my own heart in, in, in this, um, of being like, like, yes, I love showing up to my church where I'm only a volunteer. I'm not paid. I love yeah. showing up to my church to run sound. Um, and I, I think I'm pretty good at it, you know, and I'm honestly like, like, and that's not necessarily a point of pride. I'm just like sharing in that joy of doing something that I love that I've learned to get pretty good at, yeah. um, working with other people in the Lord with things that they're good at, you know, and, and we're working together. So like, but the idea is like, I, I have a huge struggle with like the idea of wanting to be important or impressive to other people. Um, yeah. and so even recently I've been like kind of reexamining myself there and just being like, like, what's my actual attitude right now? Like, do I think I'm doing this because I want the people that I'm doing this with to be like, wow, Michael, you're so good at this. <laughs> or am I doing it because the Lord made me to be good at this, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and I want to, I want to serve him with the gifts that he's given me. Um, so I think that's super important. Colossians three twenty three. Um, another thing going back to the tabernacle, actually. Yeah. Um, there were two men, Bezalel and Aholiab that were specifically gifted to do works with their hands that like to make these things that are, that are just incredibly intricate and elaborate and beautiful that God was like, I want these two guys specifically to work in the construction and the design of the tabernacle because yeah. I've gifted them in this way. And so like, if we're gifted in a certain way to do something really, really well, we should be doing that really, really well. Like it's an abuse of my talent if I'm not showing up to do something really well. Um, and so I like, those are kind of the two sides of the same issue that I, that I like to think through when it comes to a mistake is, so I made a mistake. Jesus still died for me, but I should also make sure I don't make that mistake again. <laughs> yeah. You know? Not because someone is out to punish me for it or anything, but just because like, yeah, because we're, you want we're to. playing with people's lives almost, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's both sides boil down to you want to give God your best. Yeah. You, you give God your best in spite of mistakes you make. Yeah. You give God your best instead of your okayest. Yeah. 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 So I'm serving the Lord. I want to serve him excellently. Additionally, the nature in which I'm serving the Lord is also having an effect on how other people might view the Lord. Yeah. Now the Holy Spirit is still going to work in spite yeah. of me. You'll never make such a bad production mistake that somebody's like, invincible from the Holy Spirit. Yeah. 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 That's, that's never going to happen. Yeah. But at the same time, maybe the Holy Spirit wants to use me to help someone in their yeah. engagement with the Lord. Exactly. So like those, are, those are the kinds of things that, that I like to think through. Um, on the topic of the, of the tabernacle, I've been thinking about this recently too. I don't know how far I want to go with this. 
but I feel start pretty... going and I'll uh, I'll stop you if <laughs> it feel, goes too far. I feel pretty comfortable saying this, but I want to make sure that I'm saying this in the context of the new covenant yep. and not in the context of the old covenant. Okay. Everybody put on your new covenant hats. Yeah. <laughs> your new covenant hats with your old covenant glasses. Yep. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. The um, honestly, like I really believe that like we're almost like joining in the calling of the Levites, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, in doing the things that we're doing, like I, I've, this is almost like on the topic again of, um, of church production, almost getting tre- treated as like a separate thing. Like, Oh yeah, that's the church production guys, you know, like, and they're not, <laughs> like we're still the rest part of, of the body of Christ. Yeah. Um, but even, I, and when also, when I say this, the body of Christ as a whole, is joining in the work of what the Levites did in the old covenant of being priests. Yeah. That kind of like stood in between God and man to advocate. Yeah. Now Jesus is our great high priest, but also we are priests to the world. And I think like, as we are, as we are like structuring our worship services and everything, like, like I think I would go far enough to say that like what we are doing is it's like, it's like we have been a part of the tribe of, of Levi. If yeah. That kind of makes sense. I get what it's you're saying. It's kind of like a developing thought to me, but like, that's, that's almost like the seriousness that I, that I'm trying to apply to what we're doing here. Like, this is not just, I mean, I made a joke about this earlier. It's not just something fun that I like to do on the weekends. Yeah. Like this is a pretty serious thing that we're actually doing. It's if I could, if I could put it in similar, but different words, there are, to, to harshly oversimplify the sacrifices in the old Testament system with the tabernacle and the temple, there were sacrifices to bring you from bad to neutral with God, neutral to good with God, bad to neutral with other people, neutral to good with other people. And the, the, the bad to neutral with both was like, I need to overcome some, some wrong I did you. The neutral to good is kind of, it's not the same. This is way oversimplified, but it's kind of the same as like, like me coming home after work to my wife and bringing her flowers. I'm not saying sorry. I'm just saying I love you again. And there was a lot of the work in the temple and the tabernacle and offering sacrifices that were those kind of sacrifices that were the neutral to good, the just kind of just wanting to bless God back for all he's done. And as, as we're all a kingdom of priests, if we're in the body of Christ, but the Levites specifically and the priests help too, whatever, but like we're, we're part of the people facilitating the group the like gathered doing the neutral to good sacrifice to God, the gathered, like we just want to bless God thing. And that's what we're doing. It's facilitating the gathering that tries to bless God back a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Just kind of a, it's kind of a developing thought that I've been having, but I appreciate you even expanding on that because I hadn't even gotten there yet. Yeah. It's good. You have any more? I don't or, think so. Okay. At least not off the top of my head. <laughs> you, do you have another 20 pages? Let's talk for another hour. <laughs> I, uh, I really love this conversation. I think that um, the generality with which you helped us think about production in church is really helpful because I know every church I've been to has been 
a hundred miles away from where the next one is production wise. And, um, and both in the gear they have and the people they have and, and how invested in it they are and whatever. And I appreciate you talking about kind of the character and the general role of that. I think it was super helpful and super valuable. If you liked this conversation and you want to hear more about it or more conversations like this, um, please, 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 uh, review our podcast wherever you listen to it. Apple podcast, Spotify, uh, hopefully it's on Podbean, my favorite. <laughs> uh, uh, that is that is how people find us. It's okay if you write a good review. It's okay if you write a bad review. All press is good press, maybe. Um, but please don't hurt my feelings. The Holy Spirit works in spite of bad reviews. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he does. Um, yeah, and uh, also we are always, always willing um, for you to share your Questions, comments, concerns, and especially ministry wins. We were looking for that. If you have a, a win in ministry, um, write us, email us at uh, respond, nope, at podcast at respondworship.org. Or what we would love even more, please, 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 is if you would um, record it on your phone or something like that and send us a two, three minute audio clip. At, at most, hopefully, um, talking about your ministry win so that we can put it on here. We can um, share some of the encouragement and uh, spur each other on to do God's work. Um, but thank you for joining us. Thank you, Michael. I really appreciated all your insight into um, church production and God's heart behind it. Um, we will catch you on the next episode. See you later. Thank you for listening to the Respond Worship Podcast. Make sure to check out the show notes for links to our website and social media. Follow and subscribe to keep up with new episodes and feel free to rate and review us. We want this to be the best possible resource for you and your team, so your feedback is extremely important. We also want to hear from you. Send us your questions, content suggestions, ministry wins, and stories, and we will gladly consider them for future episodes. Just email us at podcast at respondworship.org. That's podcast at respondworship.org. We look forward to welcoming you into another conversation in a couple of weeks. Take care.